Good morning, everyone. This morning we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 27, the crucifixion of Jesus. What a chapter. Now, when morning came after Peter betrayed Jesus, the rooster had crowed. All the chief priests and the elders of the people conferred together against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him to Pilate, the governor. Now, when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that he had been condemned, he felt remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But when they said, What is that to us? See to see to that yourself. And he threw the pieces of silver into the temple sanctuary and departed, and he went away and hanged himself. The remorse and regret of Judas. The chief priest took the pieces of silver and said, It is not lawful to put them into the temple treasury, since it is the price of blood. And they conferred together, and with the money bought the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. For this reason, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then that which was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled, and they took thirty pieces of silver, the price of the one whose price had been set by the sons of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed me. Now this is a very interesting story, and it comes actually from the prophet Zechariah. Sometimes the people would refer to Old Testament prophets um, and speak to them in general. In this case, it's interesting that he said Jeremiah here, but like I said, that's been done in the past. Really, this is spoken by the prophet Zechariah, and it's very interesting. So Zechariah was preaching at a time and prophesying at a time when people were being unfaithful to God, and he's calling them to the Lord. And in Zechariah 11, he shares the story where he says, you know what? Uh, you're not even worthy to be shepherded anymore. Um, I'm going to stop shepherding you. And he, he kind of poses a question to the people. He's like, what am I worth to you? What am I worth to you? You know, you're not listening to me. What am I worth to you? So they, in a way to mock Zechariah, weigh out 30 pieces of silver. Now, 30 pieces of silver was the price of a slave. And they gave Zechariah 30 pieces of silver to say, you're worth nothing more than a slave to us. And then he took the silver and he threw it into the temple where the potter was, the, the temple's potter, the person who made pottery in the temple. And he, he, he threw the 30 pieces of silver into the temple because they insulted him and he wasn't going to keep that money. And sure enough, look what Judas betrayed Jesus, Jesus for, 30 pieces of silver and they bought the potter's field. Apparently, there was a piece of land outside of the temple area that, you know, in different land has different soils. And there was land there that had a soil condition that was good for pottery. So they had called it the potter's field. But all this to say, you know, just the symbolism here is that Judas betrayed Jesus for the price of a slave. And you know, that's how some of the people of the world view Jesus. They just don't, they don't view him for who he is. They 
dismiss him. They don't seek him. They don't read the word. And in the end, they're going to pay for their lack of knowledge. My people perish for lack of knowledge, Hosea said, and lack of devotion to Jesus. And, you know, we are here and we desire that they come to know the Lord. Seek him and find him. There's so much evidence for Jesus as our lamb. And may people know so that they come to faith and not just treat him like a slave, but instead treat him as the risen Savior, which he is. Verse 11, Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor questioned him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he did not answer. Then Pilate said, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? And he did not answer him with regard to even a single charge, so the governor was quite amazed. Now, there's two prophecies of the Old Testament. I mean, there's many prophecies of the Old Testament, but two that is really important to get familiar with. One is Psalm 22, and the other one is Isaiah 53. And, I mean, there are so many things fulfilled in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ in Psalm 22 and in Isaiah 53, and I encourage you to look back. I'll point out where these come from. So in Isaiah 53, it says it basically said that he won't defend himself. And Isaiah 53, you could turn there and see that. And sure enough, that was very true of Jesus when he was being questioned and headed to the cross. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the people any one prisoner whom they wanted. At that time, they were holding a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the people gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that because of envy they had handed him over. See, so Pilate is saying that because all the people were flocking to Jesus and his teaching and turning away from Judaism and they didn't like it, that that's essentially why they were making accusations of Jesus. Now, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message saying, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. Isn't that amazing? So his wife had a dream. Now, ultimately, she is not going to be able to convince Pilate to not crucify or have Jesus crucified because that's God's plan. But isn't it interesting that this dream is given to this woman because something significant is about to happen. And, and in her dream, she's seen something's not right here. Isn't it interesting also that here we have Pilate sitting on the judgment seat. And he's making a decision about what's going to happen with Jesus. And ultimately, Jesus is the one who's going to sit on the judgment seat. And he's going to make a decision on what's going to happen to us. And it's by faith we are saved. May we all turn to Jesus before we appear before the judgment seat. And know this, that if you believe in him, you have his righteousness. You've been clothed with his righteousness. And you are going to be entered into God's eternal heaven. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to put Jesus to death. But the governor said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said, Crucify him. 
And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they kept shouting all the more, Crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. And all the people said, His blood shall be on us and our children. Yeah, it's it's just interesting crowd mentality. They're all turning against Jesus here. Uh, the sin of mankind, just wanting to see the blood and murder of a man. And this is what they were doing. Then he released Barabbas for them. But after having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole Roman cohort around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And after twisting together a crown of thorns, they're doing this to mock him because he's known as king of the Jews, but they're obviously not believing he's any type of king. They put it on his head and a reed on his right hand, and they knelt down before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, king of the Jews! They spat on him and took the reed and began to beat him over the head. Now, you could read about some of that in Isaiah 53 again, how they mocked him, people mocked him and shouted insults at him. Now, you know, I keep referring back to this, Psalm 53 and Isaiah excuse me, Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22, what's so important to know is that these are written, you know, Psalms is easily a thousand years before Christ. And Isaiah is 600 years before Christ. And and these things that they said came so true at the life and death of Jesus Christ. And how could that happen if it weren't for God? It's just amazing the prophetic fulfillments of the Old Testament and how they came through in Jesus. And after they had mocked him, they took a scarlet robe off him and put his own garments back on him and they led him away to crucify him. Verse 32 of Matthew 27. And as they were coming out, they found a man of Cyrene named Simon whom they pressed into service to bear his cross. Jesus got some help with the cross after getting so brutally beaten and when they came to the place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. Now, that's very interesting because you can see pictures. I encourage you to Google Golgotha. And you can see pictures in Israel just outside the temple area where there's a hillside and there's these big rock features in the hillside that look like a skull. And that very likely is the place where Jesus Christ was crucified. And you know, these are real places and real things and real people, and this all really happened. Go ahead, you know, look up Golgotha on your phone or, or tablet or computer. They gave him wine to drink mixed with gall, and after tasting it, he was unwilling to drink. And that is prophesied also in the Old Testament that that would happen. And when they had crucified him, they divided up his garments among themselves by casting lots. Now, I want to I want to take you actually now that was verse 35. I want to take you to Psalm 22. Uh I think and maybe we'll do Isaiah 53 briefly a little bit later as well. But if you go to Psalm 22 and we're going to see this very shortly from the mouth of Jesus, but Psalm 22 it begins in a really interesting way. Psalm 22 says this, starts off, 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, perhaps you recall those words, because those words are going to be spoken by Jesus in this chapter as we move forward. And a lot of people would be, make it seem like, you know, when Jesus said that, my God, my God, why are you forsaken me? And this is shortly before he took his last breath, that God, Jesus would be saying, God, why have you, you know, you, why have you really forsaken me? Now, it is true that on that cross, he's taking the sin of mankind on our behalf. But what Jesus is doing there, it's called a remez, R-E-M-E-Z. A remez is a hint. And a hint is when in the New Testament, a Old Testament passage is brought up. And yet the fullness of the ramifications of that Old Testament passage isn't fully unveiled. But it's a hint, and it's relying on the audience to have knowledge of the Old Testament. And if you circle back to that hint and see what it all has to say, you will find out so much more about what actually is going on. So let's take Jesus' hint. He he knew that the Lord was going to put on him the sin of mankind on that cross. And he's hinting us back to Psalm 22, my God. My God, why have you forsaken me? Let me read a little bit. From my deliverance, far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. And sure, Jesus is is groaning there. Um, Listen to verse 6 of Psalm 22. But I am a worm and not a man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. And sure enough, what are they doing? Mocking him, yelling, crucify him. Listen to verse 7. All who see me sneer at me. They separate with the lip, and they wag their head, saying, Commit yourself to the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, because he delights in him. And people would say, if you're really God, it was said that you should get off that cross. Um, Yet you are he who brought me forth from the womb. And let me keep going. She was born, right, of Mary. Um, Verse 11, But not far from me, for trouble is near. For there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have circled me. Encircled me. They open mouth their wide. They open wide their mouth at me as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water. Now he's about to get, you know, pierced. All my bones are out of joint. Now, that's actually interesting because his bones aren't broken, and we'll see that in a second. My heart is like wax, it is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaves to my jaws. Obviously, he would thirst, and you know, after losing that much blood and being out in the heat and up on that cross, and I'm sure they weren't like giving him water to drink on a regular basis, right? And you lay me in the dust of death, right? He's about to die. For the dogs have surrounded me, a band of evildoers has encompassed me. Now listen to this. They pierced my hands and my feet. How could this psalm writer get all of this right a thousand years earlier? And listen to what it says next. I can count all my bones. And do you know why that is? Did you know that back in Exodus chapter 12, when they would be celebrating Passover and partaking of the Passover lamb, that one of the instructions 
instructions in the Passover lamb was not to break any of its bones. Did you know that when Jesus was on the cross, they broke the legs of one thief and they broke the legs of another thief? But because they saw that Jesus was dead, they didn't break his legs because that would help them die quicker. Instead, they pierced him in a side. And, and sure enough, it was said that he would be pierced for our transgressions. And he is our Passover lamb. And that's why his bones weren't broken, but the thieves were all of these Old Testament prophetic things came through in Jesus. I can count out my bones. They look at me and they stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Are you kidding me? Do you see all these things that are coming true at the crucifixion of Jesus? And what saddens me so much is that people don't know. They don't know this stuff. And you know, my people perish for a lack of knowledge, Hosea said. If you know all the reasons to believe, it's actually very easy to believe. You just need to know because these prophetic things were written so much earlier and then came true in Jesus. Verse 35 of Matthew 27 now, let's continue in the story of Jesus' crucifixion. And when they had crucified him, they divided up his garments among themselves by casting lots. Do you see what just happened from Psalm 22? And sitting down, they began to keep watch over him there. And above his head, they put up the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the king of the Jews, to mock him, but yet he is a king. At that time, two robbers were crucified with him, one on the left and one, one on the right and one on the left. And those passing by were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. This reminds me of Psalm 22 too, right? If you were the Son of God, come down off that cross. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him and saying, He can save others. He cannot save himself. All that was said. He is the King of Israel. Let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe in him. And you know what? He's going he's gonna to rise, not from that cross, but he's going to rise from the dead. And show himself again and again and again. And show the holes in his hands and the holes in his feet. Hallelujah. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him. If he delights in him, they're mocking him. For he said, I am the son of God. The robbers who had been crucified with him also were insulting him with these words. Now, there was another, you know, there's another gospel writer that mentions that one of the thieves said, uh, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you, today, you will be with me in paradise. <laughs> Hallelujah. That thief put his trust in Jesus right at the end. Now, when the sixth hour, from the sixth hour, darkness fell upon all the land until the ninth hour. And that's how they called their time. But I believe this is from noon to three, from noon to three. Uh, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that was the remez. That was the hint to turn back to Psalm 22 to see all the things that were fulfilled by me on this cross. And some of those who were standing there, when they heard it, began saying, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and taking a sponge, he filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave him a drink. 
And that was talked about in the Old Testament as well. But the rest of them said, let, let us see whether Elijah will come save him, an Old Testament prophet. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and, and yielded up his spirit. And another gospel writer says that Jesus said at that moment, it is finished or it is accomplished. <laughs> because Jesus came to accomplish dying for the sin of mankind, for those who will believe in him. And he was faithful to the finish. And behold, now listen to this, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. Now, this was an amazing moment in history, and God allowed the veil of the temple to be torn. Now, that veil separated the most holy place from the holy place. Priests could do their functions in the holy place, but in the most holy place, they would only go one day a year on the day of atonement and only the high priest would go on in there. And that's where this presence of God was said to be manifested was in the most holy place. And again, only the priest could go on there and only in one day of year. And when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn, a big, thick, tall veil was torn, torn and it was torn from top to bottom. And do you know what that signifies? And it's talked about throughout the New Testament teachings, is that the way has been opened to the Spirit of God. It's no longer by priests. It's no longer by a high priest. It's by the high priest Jesus who died and then came back from the dead and then on Pentecost gave us the Holy Spirit, those who believe in him. And now that Spirit can be in everyone who believes because the 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 way into the most holy place has been opened to us through what Jesus Christ did. And now he lives not inside of man-made temples, or excuse me, inside of buildings, but he lives inside of man-made temples. That's us, those who believe in him. That's where Jesus lives now to strengthen us and guide us and counsel us and help us to live for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And this is all a symbol of this new era that we live in now where we can be born again through the Spirit of God. Are you born again? Have you trusted in Jesus? You can do it today. You know, tell him, Lord, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for taking my sin upon that cross. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead. And I, Lord, now want to live for you. Give me your Holy Spirit and help me, God, to live a new life, a new born-again life for you. It's as living a new life. That's why it's born again. It's like it's like starting over with Jesus as your counselor and with the word of God as your guide. What a beautiful thing. You can say that prayer and then a great way to to to, to follow up that prayer too is to get water baptized and and express your symbol of dying underneath that water to your old way of living and rising to a new victorious life and one day when your time is up on earth, you'll rise to eternity as well. So hallelujah, place your trust in Jesus. The tombs were open, verse 52, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. That's very interesting, very much like the rapture is going to be one day. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. So it seems as though some people were able to reveal themselves again. Uh, the power of the resurrection of Jesus um, exhibited some other amazing miracles. 
Now the centurion and those who were with him keeping guard over Jesus, when they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening, they became frightened and said, Truly this was the Son of God. And the signs of the skies and of the earth and you know of the veil and all that were... And this may be why Peter had so much success on Pentecost 50 days later in leading people to Jesus after the Spirit came, because they did see some signs. Many women were there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee while ministering to him. Among them was Mary Magdalene and his, and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee, James and John. While it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea called named Joseph, who himself had become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it be given to him, and Joseph took the body and wrapped it in clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the entrance of the tomb and went away. And Mary Magdalene was there and the other Mary sitting opposite of the grave. Now, I want to just take you briefly. Let's do this briefly, but we got to see it. It would just would not be doing justice to this if we didn't turn there. Go to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 in your Old Testament. If you're not following along, you can listen. And listen to what it says in Isaiah 53 about Jesus. All right. I'm going to pick it up in verse 4. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. And sure enough, he was afflicted. And listen to what it says here. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. And when Jesus was on that cross, they pierced him in the side. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging, we are healed. See, he died to take our sin. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray, and we have. Without Jesus, we go our own way. Each has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. See, Jesus took our sin on that cross, if you but believe in him. God caused Jesus to go to that cross so the iniquity of us could fall on him. That's the only way to be forgiven. That's why... There, there's no other way to heaven but through Jesus because Jesus is the only one who was qualified to take our sin and he took it, but you have to have your sin forgiven by faith, by, by believing in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Then the sin that would separate you from heaven also is upon our Lord. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, verse 7, and he did not open his mouth. Remember all the times that was said? Like a lamb. See, he's the lamb of God. He's the Passover lamb. We've talked about that. If you didn't listen to my last podcast, please listen to Matthew chapter 26, which I really went over how Jesus is the Lamb of God. He's dying on Passover right here, the day that the Passover lamb and the blood of that lamb saved them thousands of years earlier, now, or 1,800 years earlier. Now Jesus is dying on Passover to forgive us of our sin. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living and Jesus was cut off for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due? Now, listen to this. And this is why, you know, another reason why I wanted to get here 
His grave was assigned with the wicked men, meaning he died with two thieves. And he was with a rich man in his death. And sure enough, we just read about Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man who had his own tomb and put Jesus in that tomb. So all this was fulfilled. He died with two thieves and a rich man because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Now listen to this passage here. And I just talked about this at Christmas. It really hit me. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. He was pleased to crush him because, and I'm going to move ahead, listen to this. My servant, in verse 11, will justify the many as he will bear their iniquities. Do you know that God was pleased to crush Jesus in order to make you pleasing to him? That's how one day you will be pleasing to God because your sin has been forgiven through the blood of the cross. And and God allowed his son, whom he was pleased, he was pleased with his son, but he allowed his son to be a pleasing sacrifice. And you used to bring a a pleasing sacrifice to God, a, 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 a lamb, and you'd bring an unblemished lamb, a pleasing lamb, and that lamb would bear the sacrifice or the sins of the people and atone for their sin. God took his pleasing one, whom he was pleased to allow die, in order to one day when you stand before God to make you pleasing before him because of what his son did to forgive you. And now our response, knowing that God will present us before him holy and blameless one day and pleasing before him, now we live to be pleasing to God today to thank him for what he's done for us. Are you living a life? That's saying thank you to God. Are you living a life seeking to be pleasing to God, knowing that he has made you pleasing to him? Wow, unreal. Now the next day, the day after the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together with Pilate and said, Sir, we remember that when he was still alive, that deceiver said, After three days I am to rise. Therefore, give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal him away and say to the people, He has risen from the dead, and the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard. Go make it as secure as you know how. And they went and made the grave secure, and along with the guard, they had set a seal on the stone. Which is great, you know. They're going to protect that. But you know what? It doesn't matter if they're going to protect it because Jesus is going to rise from the dead. And we're about to see that our next time. Jesus had victory over death and he showed himself again and again. And it'll be a blessing to see the resurrection of Jesus next time. But wow, Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for being our Lamb of God. I pray that by now you've heard enough to trust him. If you haven't accepted Christ, please do so. Seek a pastor. Seek to express your faith in Jesus. And if you haven't been baptized, I would encourage you to do so. God bless you all.